Hello, I'm Kristen Perisonotto. And I'm Hannah Ferguson, and we're co-founders of Cheek Media Co. This is the Weekly Cheek Podcast. There is this very strange thing that's in the going on in the political right where it's like the little guy who's been silenced, the underdog. It's David and Goliath, but it's like, I don't understand, you've got Murdoch on your side. Exactly. You are Goliath. Yeah. Before we get into this episode, I'd like to acknowledge the owners of the land on which we record this podcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. Cheek Media Co. fully endorses the Uluru Statement from the Heart and an enshrined voice for First Nations people in the Constitution. Welcome back to the Weekly Cheek Podcast. Welcome. Um, today, we are going to be talking about anti-vaxxers. Yeah, um, and unfortunately. Gonna, unfortunately, <laughs> and... I guess the political climate that has ensued. I think it's quite interesting to see how the anti-vax movement, which in my perception prior to COVID was more, you know, what society would brand the hippies, Mm -hmm. um, the alternative lifestyle people, you know, your um, essential oil uh, yoga appropriating. Yeah, basically just stereotyping those people with just being very natural living, this yes. like idea of like non-Western medicine, yeah. like opposition to very standard practices. Exactly. Because obviously there are lots of issues with people claiming that vaccines, um, you know, for example, cause autism. But the people who, in my perception, previously were saying this prior to COVID were also the people who thought that processed sugar would also cause some type of, yes, um, you know, horrible health condition as well. So I just think that that was kind of encapsulated. I didn't ever have, to be honest, I'd never had any empathy for anti-vaxxers um, personally because I just think that it's a lot of facts that you could read to reassure yourself. But I think now the anti-vaxxer movement not only is so much bigger, mm. but it's also now kind of combined with this very um, toxic, violent and angry alt-right movement in Australia. And I think that it's quite like what we're seeing in Australia, particularly um, in Sydney and Melbourne, and most specifically in Melbourne, where the most violent protests and riots are, um, it is a bit reminiscent of the um, Proud Boys and the alt-right and how they reacted when Trump was uh, lost the election Mm -hmm. last year. Like a lot of those videos that I saw coming out of Melbourne reminded me of um, the January 6th riots. Mm. Um, so I think that's quite interesting. And I think that in my lifetime, this is the first time that I've really seen that kind of, um, cause there is, I guess it's important to note that there is a difference between civil, ob- civil, civil disobedience and protesting yeah. and what they did because it was very violent. And I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that in Australia. I don't know, because in my in my mind, an anti-vaxxer, how like previously has that had any relationship with political leaning? Because I would say that in the past, and you'd see an anti-vaxxer as someone who's not interested in politics. I think the only thing that comes to mind is that there was rules brought in about childcare, and if you hadn't vaccinated or had your, your child hadn't had the required immunizations before entering certain childcare places, they were talking about like not disallowing that entry and um, enrollment. Yeah, I remember that being a bit of an issue at one point, but mm-hmm. that's the only recollection I have of like a major issue. And also, that was such a tiny minority then. Yes, like to everyone else, it was kind of just a joke. I think when the um, sort of like vaccinations cause autism like argument first came out maybe at the very first instance of that argument people were like 
But then as soon as the research disproved it, I think it very quickly became a stereotype, right? Yeah. But I think those decisions around that, there was probably a big enough group of like those sort of wellness mums that um, had some sway by that point. Like, I don't think we're talking too long ago. I think we're talking in the last five years with a lot of these decisions. And that period between like when sort of that wellness influencer, wellness mum blogging style came about, there were more and more women who were fit that stereotype building a platform. I think there was a, a year there where it became a bit of a dangerous game mm-hmm. with their power and influence. That, like it was less of a stereotype and more of a platform. Yeah. But I think that period was small before the pandemic. Yes. And I think a lot of the time those types of, um, obviously we're stereotyping when we say like mum bloggers, um, they didn't build their platform on anything like that. Yeah. But it just it just seemed like and I know now that you've reminded me, I remember, you know, there was the these mums who were um showing like a quite a polished mm. version of motherhood and they were doing like the bento boxes and making snacks in shapes for their kids. Um and then kind of like all of a sudden yep. they would be in this scandal that's like, oh well and oh my God, she's an anti vaxxer. Mm. Um and then when you actually look back at all of these different accounts, you're like, oh, that's pretty obvious, actually. Yes. <laughs> like the way that they, you know, things like natural cleaners and, yes, um, you know, no sugar and mm. like paleo lifestyle and things like that. And people are going to come out and be like, oh, my God, I do paleo and I'm not an anti-vaxxer. And again, not all paleo hashtag. <laughs> not all paleo. But like when we think about the, the Pete Evans of the world, there is a direct correlation and there's a really good podcast. Um, the podcast is Maintenance Phase and they do a very good podcast on like the wellness to QAnon pipeline and like how that transition occurs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it hasn't really had, even though it has been, you know, very, um, I guess, those views have been polarizing. I still don't think they've ever been associated strongly with politics. Mm. Um, and the tough thing is in Australia is that while a lot of these, the people organizing the protests particularly have, are very much aligned with the alt-right. Some of them are aligned with, um, you know, neo-Nazi, fascist, white supremacy groups. They are not, how to say this without being defamatory, um, the conservative government in Australia does not associate itself with such, such far no. right leaning. However, they also refuse to condemn them. Yes. So that was a very loud. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I think it yes. was, I just took it as uh, enthusiastic <laughs> agreement. I think the thing about Trump is that, you know, the things that he said, um, what did he say about the Proud Boys? Stand back and stand by, yep. not stand down, which is what he should have said. So there was very much this like wink, wink, like, yeah. um, and, the dialogue you know, was really clear. Exactly. And obviously none of us have any proof that he has, I don't think there's been any like proven associations between Trump and groups like the Proud Boys, no. um, and neo-Nazi groups, um, and fascist and blah, blah, all of them. But there was very much this like wink, wink, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's not really condemning them at all. Yeah. And the links with Australian right wing politicians and and parties, it's not that 
like the the links are not that strong. No. Um, but it's more just like our government has tends to just not do anything, mm-hmm. um, and you know get up and say like, oh, oh no, everyone's breaking the rules, and you sh- you're meant to be in lockdown. Just yeah. the, these kind of random things um, that don't actually mean anything because. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious they probably know that those people vote for them and they don't want to get them offside. Yeah. So in they're going to be, you know, it's more important for them to get the votes when the next election comes than it is to, uh, you know, ensure the health of everyone who's at home doing the right thing. I think that until now, it has not necessarily been seen as a political movement. Yeah. But I think the, I mean, what's craziest for me is the amount of people they have gotten along to those events, those protests. Oh, it's just, it's humiliating. It is. I think this is, again, like a bit reminiscent of what happened with Trump is that he managed to um, activate and include and speak to very, uh, marginalized groups mm-hmm. who feel like they're disempowered. Yes. Um, and that's something we've talked about a lot before. Um, so I won't go into it, but in an Australian context, I think he's talk, um, these, um, alt-right groups have used vaccine mandates and anti-lockdown rhetoric to capture people who, for example, own a small hospitality business and who are not getting um, ample assistance from the the government and who are doing very poorly financially and don't have any plans to open because the government has not indicated, um, you know, an end date, which has been impossible, but for the most part, particularly because every time there's one of these protests, the cases spike. And anyway, so I think that it has just grown, this movement has grown and grown and grown. And I think that people at those events, those anti-lockdown events, um, and I think this is a tough one because we have actually been criticized on Instagram for painting everyone or like to be seen as like calling people who are at those um, yes. events selfish. Mm. Um, we stand by that. I stand by it. I think. I think what's complicated about this, right, is that like I understand how like I mean I could never but I understand how someone could go along this pipeline and end up there like my perception of it is conspiracy theories and right hard right views thrive in times of uncertainty Mm -hmm. and I think that there's also this like idea and we completely agree with it like we can have a healthy distrust of government and still believe in getting vaccinated and still believe in the power of lockdown and still believe in the power of COVID zero, right? And I, I, I no longer think we can get there to be fully realistic about it. I think that's impossible and I think that's not the aim anymore. And I understand why that roadmap has changed. But I can understand why someone in a less privileged position than me can have that distrust grow and engage in those conspiracy theories in times of deep, deep uncertainty and deep, deep trouble and vulnerability in their lives because they're not being assisted. And I can understand how that manifests into this complete distrust and this um, sort of like inflated ideas of what the government can do and and, and what they should be putting into their body. Like I, I get how people can get there. My perception is like, I have a level of privilege and education where like I have- You wouldn't be a target. No. What worries me is the people that are much more privileged than I am who end up there. Exactly. Because again, as we said, it's like this perfect like relationship and balance between like privilege and ignorance. Yes. And this is where the problem starts, right? And they're the perpetrators. And they're the ones feeding the misinformation, the disinformation. So 
it's really concerning to me the way that this information is trickling down and the way that it in, impacts people. And obviously you've said that some really just being synonymous with like the echoing that message. But I would like to sympathize. I would like to be able to sympathize more with those people that don't maybe have access and aren't in a privileged position and have been more affected than me by these things. Um, so, and so I can understand that and I want to be more empathetic towards those situations. But I, I don't quite know how to have that conversation yet. And I also don't want to back down from my position that at the end of the day, it is selfish to go out and protest. It is selfish to stand in the street maskless and say the things they're saying and the violence they're perpetrating. Like I, I cannot ever like condone, accept or like look at that and think, oh, you know, I, I can understand why someone would do that. I understand how these ideas manifest, but I don't support the people that act on it in that capacity. Well, I just don't, I would like to ask those people, why do they think that is the solution? Mm. Like, I mean, again, I understand the power of a protest and a rally, but the, like you're breaking public health orders in order to do it. And I understand that that is part of the point, but to go out there and not social distance and not wear a mask and break the rules that have been put in place for the safety of others mm -hmm. is just a, a step too far in my opinion. Yes. Uh, I have much more um, empathy for those people who are, you know, showing vaccine hesitancy online yes. and not in the street <laughs> or like having those conversations with, you know, with people one-on-one -on -one in a way that is not breaking public orders. Well, public absolutely. Health orders. And like, I have friends that, you know, one of my really good friends is really does struggle with needles. Like it's something that she see the specialist for and she went and got the vaccine i've seen many tiktoks of like people getting vaccines and like sobbing while they have it happens because yeah. they're so afraid and mm -hmm. like these things and i'm just like that is one of the bravest things someone can do like honestly yeah. the the way that they have prioritized the community and themselves like i think that's just amazing yeah um i think one of the things that I find weirdly funny is this idea that the government is planting like a chip or these really fucked views where i'm like queens they could not get the rollout right so if they were going to implant 5g chips or like if birds were all battery operated and they were watching us you'd think that they'd be able to coordinate the vaccines getting into our arms yeah it would be a high priority yeah if they were trying to control us through these things you'd think they'd have done a better job of getting them in our arms exactly i mean i think that's a bit funny to me it is i also like the idea that a lot of like those hard, you know, anti-vaxxer posts have been things like, you know, they compare it to awful things like Nazi Germany. They compare yeah. it to like, again, segregation, like apartheid. They, they compare it to these awful fucking historical events, right? And they go, you know, give me an example of a time when like a government has like increased control and regulations and then, then decreased it after increasing those controls. Like... When it starts, it doesn't stop or reverse. Like, you guys should be careful because now that they can control us and, like, when we leave the house, like, they're not going to drop that. Oh, God. And I'm like, they're literally announced when the international borders are opening up next month. Yeah. Like, they have literally announced roadmaps. I'm so confused by that. But don't you find that interesting, like, the fact that they're posting things that I'm like, obviously there's been a lot of political inaccuracies and, and I think it's tough because it is tough to keep up with the health advice. It is, it takes effort to stay in the, in the net, in the, fuck. In the know. In the know every single day. It yeah. is tough. But the level of misinformation, like, you, you have to look through three stories to be like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Right? And when I see these things, I'm just like, that just, just doesn't make sense. Like, 
I am willing to look at that with clear eyes and go, how are you getting to this? Mm-hmm. Right. And I cannot get there. I cannot even foresee how some of these people get to the furthest right they can. Some people who are like, I'm struggling. The government isn't supporting me. Fucking sure. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Let's look at that. Like let's discuss the fact that there's not been financial benefits announced. There's not been job keeper and job seeker in the way that there should have been for the, you know, second half of the pandemic. But you know what? Those, the state, the state labor governments have given out much more support than conservative governments. Yes. And that is something that bothers me. Yes. It's like, check your fucking facts. So another thing that's quite interesting, um, so the union movement in Australia is synonymous with the Labor Party, Mm -hmm. um, synonymous with the left. And this time with the um, threat of vaccine mandates, the far right and slash when I use far right, I'm using it uh, kind of interchangeably with, you know, the anti-vaxxer, mm-hmm. anti-lockdown slash COVID denier groups um, have actually been able to somewhat successfully target the union movement for the first time in history. Mm-hmm. For the first time ever, these groups, these like far right, alt-right, neo-Nazi, fascist groups actually have an in to harness the power of the union movement. Yes. So they're not actually interested in unions. They're interested in targeting a group of people who they think will be um, amenable to their message. Yes. The place where it intersects is um, vaccine mandates Mm -hmm. and mandates, specifically mandates being enforced by employers. Yes. Which um, is a little bit, I guess, questionable um legally because uh in a lot of different there are a lot of instances where it is actually not lawful for an employer to enforce a vaccine mandate that has not already been that has not been legislated by government or mandated by government right so there is a there is a bit of a gap there yeah um basically i'm saying there is like there is some credibility to the argument which obviously helps them a lot so it means that if they target um unionized workers they can say well your union like you need to get your union to oppose vaccine mandates otherwise they are not representing you the workers so they've kind of been able to um go along this line of like putting pressure on exactly and saying oh the workers are losing here because the the government slash the employer is trying to force the workers to do something to their body and that should be a personal choice. Yeah. So there is this very interesting time where they have, you know, got some credibility with people on the left politically. Um, and obviously we're making a lot of generalizations because a lot of people do unionize because um, they think it's good for them at work and that's kind of the end of it. And they don't really think much like I'm sure there's lots of union members in Australia who still vote conservative. Um, so generalizations have been made. But what they've also done is they have... Um, Um, In a lot of different protests and rallies and anti-vaccine events, they have said that the rallies or the protests have been, um, I guess, signed off on by union members. Mm -hmm. So that has given them the... Um, I was going to say give them the, them the ability. It hasn't, but it has made them think that they can get away with putting unions' logos on... Um, like propaganda right? Um, and said, you know, if you're an ex-union member, come along to this protest and we're going to force your union to listen to your views. And I mean, 
when it when we get down to numbers, such a small percentage of Australians are of this view that it should, yeah. we should be taking to the streets and fighting back against um, the vaccine, and therefore you can assume that a very small, a similarly small percentage of union members feel that we should be taking to the streets for these issues. Mm. However, there's another benefit to them doing this, which um, we saw in the CF, CFMEU protest in Melbourne. So I've done a lot of reading on this and I'm sure lots of people will be like, that's wrong. But from doing a lot of reading on this and talking and reading people's articles who were there, this is what actually happened. And I will stand by this. I will die on this hill. So a couple, there was a, there's a CFMEU headquarters in Melbourne, um, around 15 genuine CFMEU members went to the building to protest and say that the CFMEU Victorian branch had not done enough to oppose vaccine mandates. Right. To be clear, the CFMEU does oppose vaccine mandates, but I believe what had happened was those members had felt that the union was not doing enough right. to oppose them. So we've got 15 members. CFMEU is a very big union. So this is a very, 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 very minuscule percentage of members who were there, mm -hmm. 15. They have tens of thousands of members. Um, and they were telling, basically having their voices heard, I suppose, um, saying to the CFMEU, you're not doing enough to keep us you know, in quotes, safe from the vaccine mandates that the government and our employers are wanting to enforce. Then organisers of far-right, um, anti-lockdown, anti-mask, uh, anti-vaccine mandate groups, again, neo-Nazi groups, fascist groups, etc. Um, like there are videos of people doing the Nazi symbol at these rallies. Mm. So that's not an assumption. They are, you know, there's the links have been made. And... There were messages that went around on these, um, like, encrypted apps like Telegram um, and organisers of the protests from the previous weekend were just texting everyone and saying, come to the CFMEU, um, we're going to join this protest, bring, oh, wear workwear. So wear high-vis, wear hard hats, wear work boots. And so that's when everyone came in droves and it was a couple of hours different. I think it was within like two to four hours, it had gone from the 15 genuine CFMEU members to like thousands. I don't know how many there ended up being there, but there were thousands and thousands of people a couple of hours later. So essentially what had actually happened is the genuine CFMEU members who were protesting um, had kind of like well and truly moved on by yeah. that time um, or they heard that people were coming and they stuck around, you know, but it was kind of, a, it was actually a separate event. Um, however, and this is where I'm coming to my point, the media has painted it as a trade protest, which I think is deeply rooted in classism um, because Australia still has a very, like our class um, system and divides are very alive and well. And, you know, unfortunately, blue collar workers are not treated with the same um, type of respect as white collar workers and professional workers because they're, um, because, and I say this as a, professional white collar person um white collar people see blue look down upon blue collar people so do you think that they wanted well this interests me like do you think the media wanted to portray it as a trade protest to undermine the intelligence or the view of why they're protesting i think they i think what the media wanted to do was not 
was um, blame tradies as an easy target for the actions of the far right. Okay. And why would they want to do that? Well, I think I think they're an easy like the media saw them as an easy target because mm. everyone like the the view in the media is like, oh, tradies, like of course they would do that. Mm. Like, you know, what what would they know kind of thing. But the other thing is it was used to undermine the union movement because again, the unions are the union movement in Australia is aligned with the um, political left. And of course, as we already know, 70 to 80% of our papers are owned by Murdoch. Um, very conservative, even more owned by the Packers conservative. So uh, the vast, vast majority of our media outlets are aligned with the right. It's just interesting to me, and I'm not sure if this point is redundant or if I'm missing something here. I'm just taking a very basic view. But I, if... The conservative media is painting it as like a tradie protest, even though they would technically align with the act itself. But they don't want to associate. So they have to look like. Yes. But they wouldn't necessarily defy the act, right? Like thinking about the Murdoch media, like I'm not going to say outright like what they're trying to do or what their actual views are on vaccine mandates. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's very technical, complex layers here. But it's interesting to try and undermine the people who are acting conservatively. Mm-hmm. Not, and I think it's beyond conservatism at this point. There's a broader picture here in terms of undermining the union movement um, and, and there's some classism and there's a lot of different elements that are crossing over and at like this weird intersection. But it's interesting to try and undermine the intelligence or the class of the, um, the, the people involved in the protest when technically their conservatism would align with those sorts of views. They're actual people who are physically there. Yes. Well, see, those they aren't tradies. No, but I... So they are not affected by the media saying, oh, this dumb tradie protest. But they also did try to make it look like tradies. Yes, but they made it so that so that the media would think that they're CFMEU members. So the media would think they're tradies. But so w- the tradies take the fall. How do we know that the media wasn't just tricked? Um, Sorry. I think they were. Right, but do you think they kept it up after they realised? What I think happened is they initially were tricked or um, I guess you could just say just took the story at face value because okay. when you when you walk in there or when you see any of the videos with no context, it's a bunch of people in ideas. Yeah, exactly. Um, however, I think what happened was by the time it, the, um, I guess, the – the real story. I know I'm sounding like I'm coming from the other side, but this is based on lots of reading that I've done. You're yeah. welcome to do your own reading. Um, the when, Once the truth was discovered and that it was actually just a protest that had been, I guess, overtaken by yes. the far right, it was too late. Okay. So a lot of um, media outlets did, in the days following, end up reporting oh, this wasn't a tradie protest. These are not CFMEU members. Mm. Um, you know, they were taught, and all of these screenshots from Telegraph messages were obtained by the media and they started publishing them and they said, you know, wear work gear. Yeah. That's what all of them said. But I think by that point it was too late because people had already read the first pieces of media that came out. And as usually what happens is the the storyline that gets there first is what grabs people's attention and they fucking moved on by the time it's like yeah oh they're actually not also that's not as juicy for the general public no oh actually they're not tradies they're everyone's like well who cares it's over someone protested 
And that's the thing. It's like no one reads the apology the next day. Exactly. No one reads the mistake or the correction in the paper. It's a tiny piece of the headline compared to the picture in the headline they got the, the previous day. Like by the time it's over, it's over. Like within 48 hours, no one gives a fuck. Exactly. And the other thing is because it was so planned, obviously, and these people are planning for the media, um, the organizers, is there were very specific far-right commentators who are known to be far-right commentators who were scattered about in the the crowd yeah. and they were documenting um interviewing people and they released their videos promptly that was like this is the truth of the yeah. protest so and obviously all of those people um were either maybe i guess we can only assume that they were fake treaties um or perhaps it just wasn't mentioned they clipped it out you know there's yep. lots you can do with video and audio um and now and then everyone or i guess people who were that way inclined or whom were maybe upset by the mandates vaccine hesitant um i guess just over it because melbourne has been locked down for a very long time um gravitated towards those videos that were labeled like here's the truth because mm. they were shown as the opposition to what the media showed right. even though from a you know some a progressive perspective they were saying the same fucking thing yeah um but i think to other people they're like oh wow well this you know this youtuber only has a few hundred thousand followers and they don't have the strength of the media so they must be right because there is this very strange thing that's in the going on in the political right where it's like the little guy who's been silenced and mm. for some reason that per that little guy has credibility which is quite strange really i think that's a really really interesting point and i hate that you've said it with like zero time to go because i think that's a really really interesting take considering when we think about like the disinformation dozen mm -hmm. that have created like 12 people have created 65 percent of like vaccine misinformation disinformation online mm -hmm. like when we think about things like that you're absolutely right why is it that it's like this little guy that's being oppressed once again yeah and it's like oh they have credibility because no one's listening to them that's literally the opposite of what credibility is exactly exactly and they and it's not even that they're just the the little guy they also paint themselves it's like the underdog it's david and goliath but it's like i don't understand you've got murdoch on your side exactly you are goliath yeah Exactly. They're agreeing. I guess they're just a bit more extreme. But the, the, the problem is, is if you're going down, um, you know, one of the paths is like, oh, you mentioned the path on that podcast. It's like, what was it? Wellness to QAnon. Yeah. Is there are so many, so much evidence of these like different movements getting more and more extreme. It's like the, um, the line from like when you can move into becoming a full-on incel. Yes. Um, it's like a, a full-on incel. Full-on incel. TM. <laughs> Um, it's like all of these movements that you get involved with can just lead to the next most extreme, the next most extreme, next most, most extreme, and then you're a fucking terrorist. Mm. Um, so I think that it is interesting because I think the perfect targets for these people are people who do surround themselves and only consume Murdoch news. Yeah. And then, so someone who's reading Murdoch news all day every day and see something like the left one to cancel fairy bread of course they're going to be interested in someone who's taking that a little bit further and someone's taking it a little bit further than that and then online algorithms are targeted to keep people on the platform for as long as possible so why wouldn't they just fall down into this hole of just getting more and more politically extreme i am sad <laughs> yeah australia loves an underdog exactly too much too much 
If you didn't find us completely insufferable, come back next Wednesday for a new episode. You can also find us on Instagram at Cheek Media Co. or online at cheekmedia.com.au. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs>